Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the Encyclopedia of Spirits. We're now on D. Oh, there's some wonderful ones in D, let me tell you. <laughs> so we're going to start with the dactyls, the figures, the kids. Also known as dactyls with a K or dactyls with a C. That's D-A-C-T-Y-L-S or D-A-K-T-Y-L-S. The dactyls are mysterious metalworking spirits of shamanism, smithcraft, fertility and magic. Various versions of their origins exist, as well as debates regarding their number. The most famous says that the dactyls were born when mother goddess Rhea, in the throes of labour pains for Zeus, fell to the ground, plunging her fingers in the earth. The dactyls, ten iron boys, or five boys, five girls, sprang up where she penetrated earth. Their very first act was to successfully help Rhea with the childbirth that, until then, had been going pretty badly. The sons of the right hand became ironworkers. The sons of the left hand became shamans and magical practitioners. Another version says that the left-hand dactyls cast spells and the right-hand dactyls break them. The right hand may be dactyl brothers and the left-hand dactyl sisters. Alternatively, there may be more or less than ten. There may be twenty on the right hand, thirty-two on the left. There may only be three. Three dactyls are named. Akmon, Anvil. Danaminius, literally the compeller, a metaphor for the hammer. Kelmis, interpreted as knife. The dactyls invented iron smelting. They are the spirits of secret metalworking guilds. Primordial phallic spirits concerned with fertility, well-being, healing and shamanism. They serve as healers and obstetricians and educated Athena in her youth. The dactyls are small stature, sometimes described as dwarfs. So when people want to have a spirit that wants to learn them smithing and things like that and the secrets of smithing, those are the spirits you would call on. Not like people would think that they'd be other spirits. Not that I'm going to go into names because there are many. But what I'm saying is, is that it would actually be them. Not the spirits you might think it would be. The next is Dakini, sky dancers, cloud fairies, celestial women, space travellers and skywalkers. Also known as Kadroma, Tibetan that is though. Origin are Himalayas. Dakinis are flying female spirits, sources of inspiration and power. They are protective and terrifying. Although often described as dangerous, some allegedly have the taste for human flesh. They may operate as personal guardian spirits or invoke for initiation through the secrets of Tantra. Dakinis teach, assist and initiate great yoga and yoginis too. In pre-Buddhist times, the word Dakini denote a female death spirit found at battlefields, cemeteries and cremation grounds, and possibly similar to the Valkyrie. In modern Hindi, Dakin is a witch. Dakin is often translated into English variously as fairy, fury or yogini. They are sometimes defined as spirits of wrath. Some Dakinis are full-fledged Buddhas. They have male counterparts called Dakas, or in Tibetan, Kadro. Some are of celestial origin, but others are mortal women who acquired the requisite power and wisdom and transformed into Dakinis. 
the Kenyans are now most famous as Kali's attendants. However, from the 9th through to at least the 13th centuries, they were venerated at their very own temples throughout India. Shrines called and centred on tantric practice and adoration of 64 Dakinis. Dakini rituals were practised well into the 16th century, when for now, unknown reasons, they began to fade from mainstream Hindu religion. Temples were eventually abandoned, but many buildings still remain. They can be visited. Dakinis manifest as beautiful, desirable, naked, but potentially raging and dangerous women. They may appear with a woman's body but an animal's head, usually avian, canine, equine, or leonine. Be forewarned, they are shapeshifters and may not be immediately recognisable. You can recognise them with your inner or your third eye only. Shamans who contact them wear masks of the bird or animal associated with the specific dakini. The attributes of a curved knife indicating their ability to slice through obstacles and ignorance. A skull cup containing blood and five bone ornaments. Dakini's feasts are held on the 10th and 25th days of the month by those initiated into Dakini Tantric Rites. The next spirit is Dambala, also known as Papa Dambala, the homie. Classification is lower. Once upon a time, there was only Dambala. He lay beneath earth, a great snake, cushioning and protecting it from falling into the watery abyss below. Although he lay still for a long time, eventually he had to move. His movements raised mountains and created valleys. Stars were shaken up into the sky. Sacred waters were released forming oceans, rivers, springs and streams. The first rain began to fall. And Edo Edo, in the guise of the first rainbow, appeared. Dambala and Edo Edo fell in love. They remain in love today. The intensive, all-persuasive power of that love infiltrated the entire universe. That power is manifest in human beings in the form of white liquids, milk, and semen. Dambala, the primordial snake, lower of life, wealth and wisdom, is venerated in Dahomey as well as in Haitian voodoo. He may also survive in the New Orleans folk saint Blanc d'Anis. Dambala is among the most beloved and important lower. He bestows wealth, prosperity, good health, fertility devotees and can expose the location of missing treasure. He regulates moisture and rain, Dambala and his troll of the Rainbow Serpent maintain the balance of forces which sustains all life on Earth. Beautiful. It's equivalent to the Asian cosmology, yin-yang forces. He's incredibly old and powerful and is usually not bothered for trivial matters. He can be extremely generous, however, and so may be approached when one is genuinely desperate or really in trouble. Despite his venerable age, he remains interested in people. He will engage in sacred marriages with women, but also occasionally with men. Dambala appears in dreams. He does not communicate well. You must pay attention. He is so old and primal that he is pre-articulate, and he emerges from a time before speech. Dambala may hiss 
or make whistling noises but does not speak a human language. Dambala is synchronised to Saint Patrick and Moses, the lawgiver. Dambala is Moses' staff that transforms into a snake, enjoys the company of his Eli Frida the home. He's a stickler for cleansiness. He doesn't like strong, pervasive odours of any kind, but especially tobacco. If you smoke, then do so far from his altar space or anywhere associated with him. He may object, object to cleaning products with strong odours too, as well as air fresheners with strong aromas. Rooms should smell clean and fresh. Open the window and aerate them. He does not object to light floral odours like rose or orange blossom water and traditionally expresses a fondness for pompilotion, a cologne product found in botanicas and spiritual supply stores. Dambala is a huge snake, so big his body forms 7,000 coils. His colour is white. <laughs> his day is Thursday. Keep shallow vessels of clean fresh water for him to curl up inside on your altar. Hmm. White candles and white foods like rice, milk, raw eggs are something that he really appreciates. Leave them plain or rub them with rose or other mild-scented fine-quality floral water. He likes syrup for lavish offerings, luxurious white fabrics, crystal or porcelain eggs and or snakes. Porcelain snakes, that is not actual real snakes. It does have an association with trees, the silk cotton tree and the royal palm tree. Very interesting indeed. The next spirit we move on to is Datsuba, also known as Shizuka Nobaba Datsuba, origin Japan. Datsuba is a gateway goddess, a name is related to words indicating bathhouse, dressing room or undress. It's theorised that in her earliest incarnation, she was a goddess of birth and death. She presents each new birth with its skin, which must be returned to her at time of death. In the context of Japanese Buddhism, Datsuma is now among the gatekeepers of hell. It's her job to strip clothing from sinners who arrive at the river of the three roads, the threshold to hell. Datsuma stays at the gate. She doesn't cross the river or enter hell. She's assisted by a male consort, Kinlo O. That super strips off the clothes. He hangs them on trees. The naked souls of sinners are then sent to meet the kings of hell. She's not a kind, gentle spirit, but a fierce, implacable one. Should someone arrive without clothes, she may actually strip off their skin. No need to wait to arrive in hell to be tortured. Datsuba is also an agent of punishment. While taking clothes, she doles out punishment as deemed appropriate. She breaks the fingers of thieves, for instance. Imagine what she does to rapists. <laughs> Datsuba makes no exception for children or babies, but strips away their clothing too. She is accused of tormenting them, encouraging them to build kilns of stones ostensibly, a stairways to heaven, but really it's just a trick. Every time a tiny baby manages to pile up a few rocks, Datsuba, a one of a band of demons, knocks it over and the baby must start again. Hmm. Vestiges of 
other facets of Datsuba sometimes emerge. Some Datsuba statues are credited with healing powers and venerated. Women sometimes invoke Datsuba's aid with lactation or to protect children. She manifests as a fierce old ag. She is usually portrayed seated on the ground with one knee up and her breasts at least partially exposed. The next spirit is Didun, the Lord of Nubia, also known as Diwan. Origin, of course, is Nubia. Dedun is the Lord of Nubian Desert, spirit of incense, wealth and trade. He epitomises the great wealth and treasure of ancient Nubia. He protects and sponsors traders in incense and traditional Nubian arts. He is usually depicted in human form, but sometimes as a lion. Show him you know what fine incense really is. Offer myrrh among Nubia's treasures. He really does like myrrh or anything like frankincense and myrrh. But I'm not talking like the incense, actually. It's better to burn the resin, the true stuff, you know. The next spirit is Diablessa. And it's actually La Diablessa, also known as Yerla Jabez, Caribbean. La Diablessa is a nocturnal spirit from the islands of the Lesser Antilles in the Caribbean Sea. During the day, she hides in the big root buttresses of kapok trees. At night... She emerges to roam around, usually on quiet roads, but she may come into populated areas too, as the desire takes her. She may or may not be a tree spirit. La Diablesse resembles a beautiful woman dressed in a long romantic flowing dress and a big floppy hat. Her clothes may sound old-fashioned, but it's a daring sexy outfit. Her skirt is slit high on one side to reveal a shapely feminine leg. And of course, the clue to her identity is the other leg, the one hidden by the voluminous fabric. That's the leg with the cloven foot. Some manifestations of La Diablesse may have an entire donkey's leg. Diablesse lures men to secluded areas near the tops of cliffs. They're anticipating romantic, obviously, dealings or some easy sex. Instead, she finally removes that big hat, revealing a grinning skull, and then kicks her victim off the cliff with a powerful cloven hoof. It's unclear whether her attacks are random, or whether she targets specific victims for vengeance, justice, or less commendable reasons. She strongly resembles goddesses Aisha Kwandisha, or Lilith, who lure men sexually only to punish them, often fatally. Usually she's called upon when men have done something bad to women and she will go find the man, lure him in, then obviously be his demise. The next is Dirt Woman, also known as Soil Woman and Wood Woman. Dirt Woman stalks people's dreams. She's primeval. She probably does not speak, although she may make sounds. She probably means no harm. But she's so primordial that her presence can be frightening and overwhelming. She appears in Jungian discussion, but rarely in mythology, because Dirt Woman is so old, she has no myth. She just is. Dirt Woman is a primordial woman. The spirit of Earth is among the earliest goddesses, not Earth herself, but something that emerged from Earth, an avatar of Earth. Thus in Greek mythology, Gaia is sacred, 
prescient earth, but Ri is the spirit of earth, a daughter, avatar, and a mystery on earth. Modern mythology looks feature illustrations of spirits of earth dressed in beautiful, clean gowns with elegant jewels and perfectly coiffed air. Dirt woman looks like mud took the form of a woman and started walking. One version of the biblical story of creation says that man and woman were formed together from earth. That the primeval first woman is dirt woman. The earliest, most primordial origins of the goddess Kali may lie in the manifestations of dirt woman. The appearance of dirt woman signals <clears throat> the beginning of a psychic or spiritual journey you must take. She may appear if you are conscious or subconsciously resisting a spiritual calling. Modern niceties mean nothing to dirt woman. She only comprehends and values primeval emotion, action, human skills, including divination. She can be a fierce guardian, maybe invoke to help you guard your children. She appears in dreams and visions. Sometimes people describe seeing her from the corner of their eye, although when they turn to face her, she's vanished. Dirt woman stalks silently like a leopard and sometimes appears with feline spots in her body, possibly painted on. The animal and author Bruce Chatwin described as humanity's primeval predator. She sometimes manifests briefly in person. Encounters with her are often emotionally harrowing. Dirt woman may be invoked by visualisation and divination, especially like scrying and stuff. She's afraid of nothing and can actually banish demons. I like that. <laughs> she's a very powerful woman, so she's definitely someone that I would uh, work with. Next, we're going to go on to, well, Jin, obviously, also known as Genie. Jin are the indigenous spirits of the Middle East and North Africa. They preceded Judaism, Christianity, and Islam in the area, but have since travelled the world with Islam and are now found far from their original home. In Neil Gaiman's novel, American Gods, a jinn is envisioned driving a taxi in New York City. There's no reason to think this far-fetched. Jinn is sometimes used to indicate both singular and plural, but in Morocco, jinn refers to an individual spirit. The plural is jaun. Jinn constitute a vast community of spirits. They come in all shapes and sizes and vary in power and temperament. Jinn of hierarchical societies that parallel those of humans. True. The name Jinn derives from Old Arabic and means comfort or darkness. Most Jinns are secretive, covert spirits who are invisible most of the time. Many are ambivalent towards people. They are nocturnal, preferring to sleep during the day. They haunt ruins, cemeteries and crossroads. Blood appeals to them and so they may be found in slaughterhouses. Jinn like liminal spaces, they have a tendency to take up residence of threshold of homes. It's crucial not to stop on the threshold, but over it, and also never to throw anything on the ground without giving warning, especially liquids or waste products. Jinn, who are rudely awakened, tend to reflexively strike out. They cause illness, sudden stroke and or paralysis that will resist medical treatment, responding only to magical and shamanic cures. Some jinn are skilled shapeshifters and may appear in any form. 
Jinn are consistently benevolent and are venerated and loved. Some Jinn are consistently temperamental, treacherous, hostile and malevolent, the very embodiment of evil spirits. People may appropriate them, but the motivation is usually fear. Jinn are spiritual devotees too. There are pagan, Jewish, Christian and Islamic Jinn, each in allegedly most likely to help humans who share their religious persuasion, although the most generous Jinn are kind to all and the most malevolent are equal opportunity offenders. Jinn love and crave heat. They live in the desert by hot springs and in bathhouses. They despise the cold, and Jinn in colder climates tend to be very grouchy. Jinn hate salt, they fear iron and steel. All may be used to keep them far away. They don't like noisy crowded places, although the curious spirits and will venture to observe maybe participate in fairs, markets and festivals. Jin enjoy stories. They can be pacified or lured by telling exciting, suspenseful tales. They will hover quietly in corners and listen. Should you need to keep a Jin calm or play for time, keep telling stories. If you anticipate dealings with Jin, it's not bad to maintain a repertoire of tales, just in case. Jin have a code of honour. Even the most malevolent Jin will honour a promise or a vow. Make sure you do too. Jin appreciate favours done for them and respectful behaviour. Jin famously manifest as snakes, cats or dogs. It's considered dangerous to injure, kill or even annoy any of these creatures. It may be a Jin in disguise. The traditional offering involves pouring oil over flour. Jewish Jin like fruit jam. Christian Jin have the reputation of eating anything. But they may just be from the Islamic perspective. Jin tend to like alcoholic beverages, candles and incense, especially benzoin. They hate salt. Make sure anything given to them was prepared without salt, or it will be rejected, and their amenity earned. <laughs> the next spirit is the dragon goddess of Borneo, origin Dayak Borneo. The dragon goddess of Borneo protects the living and guards the dead, guiding them to the next realm. She is the preeminent goddess of Dayak, the indigenous people of Borneo. Her image is ubiquitous in Dayak culture, appearing on everything from baby carriers to funeral monuments. Dragon imagery is incorporated into traditional architecture so that she serves the personal home guardian. The dragon goddess is a source of agriculture and personal fertility. She commands thunder and lightning. Her consort and male counterpart is the rhinoceros hornbill, among the largest hornbills and now an endangered species. This hornbill rules the upper world while the dragon goddess rules the underworld. Together they preside over a tree of life, linking the realms. The dragon elements are earth and water to this particular spirit. The next spirit is Dragon King of the Sea from East Asia. Dragon kings appear in the mythology of various East Asian people. They may or may not be the same spirit. Although there are many dragon spirits resident in the sea, the dragon king is their chief lord and master. The dragon king is lord of water. He controls precipitation and thus helps or hinders agriculture. He controls seawaters, stilling them as desired or raising storms. He remains an important deity 
for sailors and those who fish or otherwise ply the waters, is not limited to salt water, but has dominion over rivers too. According to Chinese myth, the Dragon King of Sea lives in the beautiful underwater palace. Crabs and lobsters serve as his courtiers. In Korea, the Dragon King in the complementary power to the mountain spirit, they represent yin and yang respectively. Even though the Dragon King is male, he epitomizes um. The Dragon King has a beautiful daughter, often depicted in human form, riding a dragon similar to images of the Japanese goddess, Benten. The Dragon King and his family are master magicians and transformation artists. They are not restricted to only one form. A method of requesting the Dragon King's aid or sending him a message involves feeding fish. Whispy a message needs or desires of a bread. Feed this bread to the river or ocean fish. Tell the fish to please deliver your message to the Dragon King of the Sea. It's attributed with flaming pearl, red coral branch. The Dragon King of the Sea lives in the underwater palace formed from coral. The exact location is subject to speculation. Arguments are made from the East Sea, the Sea of Japan, or the East China Sea, the Yellow Sea. Sacred Day. Taborum, the Dragon Festival, is celebrated in Korea on the first full moon of the lunar calendar. The Dragon King is invoked and honoured at the arbour. Women wade into the river to launch miniature boats bearing lit candles. Written wishes and messages to the Dragon King are attached to the boats. Ah, oh, that's really pretty. I like that. The next is Drake. Sir Francis Drake, that is. Um, 1540-1596. Navigator, pirate, politician, reputedly a wizard, was the first Englishman to circumnavigate the globe. That's obviously Sursa. His ship was named the Golden Hind, according to legend. Drake had a magic mirror that enabled him to see ships all over the earth. Another legend suggests that Drake was among the coven of Devon witches who cast spells and raised storms and sank Spanish Armada. In 1596, Drake died of dysentery aboard his ship near Puerto Bello, Panama. On his deathbed, he ordered his drum, which had accompanied him on all his journeys, sent back to his home Buckland Abbey in Devonshire, advising that if England was ever endangered, someone should beat on his drum. The sound would summon him to appear and lead the country to victory. All sorts of legends exist regarding Drake's drum, notably that it beats spontaneously whenever England is threatened. Drake's drum was heard at the start of World Wars One and Two. Sir Francis Drake leads the wild hunt accompanied by his wish hounds, possibly a corruption of witch hounds. is described as driving an old-fashioned carriage hearse pulled by headless horse. horses. His barking wish-hounds may be headless too, just depends. <laughs> the next spirit is a duende, or if you speak it quickly, duende. In Spain and Portugal, the duende refers to spirits like goblins or sprites. Like the English term goblin, duende is a vague term. A duende may be any kind of small spirit in general. They're associated with wild nature. 
very like a sprite, although the word is sometimes also used to indicate small household helper spirits, like a brownie or a lutein. They are mischievous and sometimes have a wicked sense of humour, but are generally not harmful. In parts of Latin America, however, the term duende refers to a more specific type of spirit. Duendes are tiny ghosts, souls of fetuses and unbaptized children. I think it means fetuses, but it's spelled wrong. They are hungry, persistent, nagging ghosts. It's difficult to reason with them or appropriate them because they do not speak or comprehend. They just yearn and crave. The most dangerous duendes are the souls of undesired, discarded newborn infants who have been killed, suffocated, strangled, drowned, whatever, or just abandoned and left for dead. Duendes haunt sources of fresh waters, rivers, streams or springs, but they usually try to rejoin families into which they had anticipated being born. It's unclear whether they are angry and intend to cause harm or whether their presence alone is sufficiently toxic. They are potentially harmful, especially to living siblings who often are the only ones able to see them. Duendes should be professionally exercised, but because many are a result of secret pregnancies, they are left to cause illness and harm. That's kind of sad, isn't it? But yeah, I've heard about the Duendes many times. The next is Duna. Duna is also known as Balida, a house of Bori classification. Duna belongs to the seventh house of the Bori spirits. He and his sorceress wife, Lady Maya, have three children. Duna is a master archer, his specialty is shooting women, so that they are unable to bear his children. Duna's arrows cause miscarriage and stillbirth. Duna is a nocturnal spirit, a frequent visitor in human dreams. He prefers to visit people and communicate with them via nightmares rather than ritual possession. Duna is described as standing like a hyena, long black monkey fur hangs from his face. The colour of him is black. <laughs> well, he's definitely different, isn't it? I can just picture that now. I'm thinking, hmm. The next spirit is the Dibuk. According to Jewish tradition, some souls are so wicked or have committed such grievous sins that after death, not only can't they enter paradise, even hell doesn't want them. There's no place for them. Instead, evil angels refuse to allow these souls to rest, lashing them with fiery whips and driving them endlessly all over earth. Jewish, cos Jewish cosmology understands this punishment to be worse than hell. Sometimes, however, the souls manage to escape from the avenging angels, at least for a little while. When they escape, they attempt to hide by jumping into the nearest object or living thing. Debucks will enter sheep, horses or dogs, but as human souls, it's not a comfortable fit. Debuck possession may also be too much for the animal, which may die shortly thereafter, either of natural causes or result of frenzied behaviour intended to drive out the invader. The debuck is then left exposed, unless it can quickly find another host. The ideal host for a debuck is another human being. Dibuk possession is uniformly negative. There is no such thing as a positive or benevolent Dibuk possession. Essentially, Dibuk is a restless, frightened, frustrated soul who may genuinely have been guilty of terrible things while alive and now takes possession advantage of a living person. The person may be a complete stranger, simply the most convenient possible host.
There are legends of Dibbox hidden in horses jumping into the stable boy in the same way that someone upgrades their seat on an aeroplane. Hmm. The word Dibbox derives from the Hebrew root meaning to cleave or to stick to. That's exactly what Dibbox does. It attaches itself to another being and refuses to leave. Dibbox can be exercised, used by shamanic rabbis, who may be able to negotiate better afterlife terms for the Dibbox either shortening their stay with their pursuing angels or arranging for the expiation of crimes and sins so that the Dibbuk can actually enter paradise. Dibbuk exorcisms must not be done by amateurs because if done incorrectly, the host can be harmed or killed. The Dibbuk is usually found to leave the body from beneath the nail on the big toe and that is where departure will cause the least damage to the host. Some Dibbuks attempt to live silently within their hosts their presence can remain undetected for a long time. The host sometimes sometimes behaves erratically or differently. But this debuk tries very hard to stay secret and silent. Other debuks assert their presence, speaking from the mouths of their hosts. The host may suddenly betray knowledge that they previously lacked. They may have sudden outbursts and be fluent in languages previously unknown. Someone else's voice may emerge from the host's mouth. Some debugs are arrogant, making demands, convinced they can't be forced to leave. The most powerful may resist several exorcists. More than one attempt can be required to make them leave. Concurrent to the European witch panic, Central and Eastern European Jewish communities had a debug panic. Most debugs are male, but their victims were almost uniformly young women. Exorcists are also almost uniformly male, which makes for some interesting sexual dynamics in a sexually conservative society. Dibbuk's assumed a romantic air in the 20th century in the wake of the hit Yiddish play The Dibbuk, written by S. Ansky, 1863 to 1920, the pen name of the folklorist Solomon Rappaport. Ansky's Dibbuk is a romantic tragedy. Its debuk is a young, poor scholar who only wishes to be with the girl he loves and had hoped to marry. In change forever, the way debuks were envisioned. And you know, that actually brings me to something that I want to speak about because that is actually the end of the days anyway. People buy um, what is known as a, a debuk online, a debuk box or whatever. What they don't understand is it's not the box you're really buying, it's whether there is a real debug in there, right? And if there's a real debug in there, you have to understand you don't know what kind of debug you're getting. Um, but also that all debugs are debugs because they they lived a really bad life. They did really bad things in life. So, I mean, to buy one of these is just crazy to me. Because you could get one that actually tries to possess you. Not only will it try to possess you, but if it succeeds, it can lay dormant for many years. And by the time you know it, it could be too late, you know. So yeah, I mean, I've always thought about this and I know that they do sell what's known as debug boxes. And I bought a debug box or whatever. What you're not understanding is, that's someone's soul, if it's real, that is. If it's real... That's someone's soul. And however soul it is, when they were on earth, they were really bad people and did some really horrific things. Think about it this way. You're buying a spirit that will never enter paradise. But was so bad, 
that even hell turned it away. So, you know, people do need to think more about these things before they go jumping in there and like, it's just a debut. No, it's not just a debut. It was rejected by hell. That's something pretty traumatic as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, guys, we are done with the D's. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey and listening. Please hit the like, share if you can. If you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings.